All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful DC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This is Cut To It with Steve Smith Sr., a production of The Black Effect and iHeartRadio. I'm Steve Smith Sr. And I'm Gerard Littlejohn. And this is Cut To It. Cut to it, cut to it, let's get down to it, cut to it. We ask the questions you always want to know, but no one ever asks. Let's cut to it. If you ain't heard about it, then we're about to let you know. It's on. Let's just scooch on over. Oh, no, I'm not Scooch. I am. I'm glad to be back in the studio today. I got to get some stuff off my chest. Okay. Right. Um, so we were the other day. Mm-hmm. We were at uh, Kava, right? Yep. A little fast, <laughs> fast casual dining, yep. right? Uh, social distancing. Mm-hmm. Um, inner dining room or the yeah. dining room is not allowed to be open. So yep. me and you, uh, we were at the office, so we That's scamper right. across the street, not jaywalking. Okay. Uh, yeah. Nah, well, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to indict us. Yeah. So we go and um, order our food, uh-huh. grab grab our food, and so we're standing there. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were getting some stuff, and the wonderful young lady yes. was uh, making the food. We already had grabbed our food, and she sees About to me. pay for it, we headed out. No, we were paying for it. We were getting something else, because they, yeah. they forgot something. And uh, the great cashiers was like, hey, you forgot something, so it was cool. Then we're going, and she, she didn't make our food, but then she notices it was me, Steve That's Smith correct. Sr. That's correct. And she goes... Hey, Steve. <laughs> loud. Loud. Really loud. Yeah. And then I had a look. I had a look. Because was, she was just so loud. She was. And, and it wasn't a lot of people in there, but it was more than the, it was. Yeah. I had including, a, the, in, including the staff. It was yes. a good number of people. So, so I love the one benefit, or if there's anything good out of this COVID, um, this virus issue is 
Man, some sunglasses, a hat, and a face mask, I'm all over it. You, incog- right? you incognito. Man, but I can't breathe too hard because they'll fog up my glasses <laughs> and I can't see. Then I'll walk into a door. Anyway, I, I um, so she yells. And so I had to look like, why are you yelling my name? And she goes, oh, you don't want to be bothered. Can I just rant? It's nah, go not ahead, brother. That's what, that this, I, this is your podcast. Okay, you can do whatever you. you want to do. It's not that I don't like to be bothered. Mm-hmm. One, it's where are we yeah. when you are bothering me? Yeah. Two, yelling my name in the middle of a store, and now everybody looks at me. Right. Like, I'm not yelling. Imagine if I was the cashier, and you, you, you went to use your debit card. Mm-hmm. And in the debit card, it is declined. Mm-hmm. Is it okay for me to go... Decline debit card. <laughs> decline debit card. No, you don't want that. No. Right? Then I don't I'll think be, so. Don't then I'll be super rude. Yeah. And putting their business in the street. Yes. So just stop yelling. That's like a pet peeve of mine. Yeah. Like that and the other pet peeve is, gentlemen, when you're in the restroom, mm-hmm. don't try to dap nobody up. Or just have random conversation, right? Yes. Uh, that, that, now, that one's mine, too. I, I'll admit, that's a pet peeve of mine. Like, if we're... In the bathroom, like that's not really the place. That's not the time to talk. That I want to have conversation, right? Like I just want to handle my business, move forward. No, no, stop! Don't move forward. Wash your hands, then move forward. That, well, I got, I got to leave, but yeah, move forward. I'm I just, just make, don't want to. I'm just making sure you wash your hands. My you, hygiene isn't what's in question. We just talking about how it was for me because you look like you don't wash your hands. You, so why are you profiling? See, that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> G. After this rant, who is our guest? Our guest today is Malcolm Jenkins. He's in his 10th year in the NFL. He's a three-time Pro Bowler. He's a Super Bowl winner with two different teams, the Saints and the Eagles, and he's just made his return back to the New Orleans Saints. Uh, I think what's most impressive is he is a contributor now to CNN. He's also the founder of the Players Coalition and the Malcolm Jenkins Foundation. Let's cut to it. Right now, you're about to get iced up. It's our version of icebreakers, and so... We have a series of questions. They may or may not have follow-up. It just depends on how we feel. And how you answer. And how you answer, absolutely. Fox and Friends or CNN? (laughs) CNN. (laughs) That was a layup. 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 (laughs) Actually obligated. Yeah. So you go into the movies. Do you grab popcorn or candy? I grab popcorn. Why is that? I, I usually do like a uh I get like a drink and then popcorn. It's just like, you know, candy too much, man. You gotta you gotta touch it every time. You be you dropping it, it's dark, you can't see. When you get that large popcorn, you can just grab and go. Okay. Summer or winter? Uh I'm I'm born in December, man, and I do not like being hot. So I like the winter time better. December again, yeah, me too. Me yeah. too. Sad Sagittarius. Yeah, Sagittarius. Here we go, see. Man, nobody care about y'all Sagittarius. Other than Sagittarius, I have no idea what it means. I know none of that's why I said that exactly. You get out of here. All right, if I go to your web browser Mm. history, what would I find? That's that's the dangerous. That's like the most private thing you could (laughs) ever ask somebody. Is a web browser? I might go delete my stuff right now. I'm going okay. to plead the fifth on that one. <laughs> the, the fifth. The fifth. 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 <laughs> All right. So your go-to snack. You going, to, you going in the pantry right now. You, you, you're, I want to say you're hungry, but you're just like, ah, I'm bored. What's yeah, your go-to? My, 
my go-to is going to be Tostitos Hint of Lime. Mm. Ooh. Them, 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 my, that's my go-to. I eat them all day, every day. I'm going to surprise you. That's I like some Hint of Lime tortilla chips as well, Malcolm. Yeah, man. That's yeah, the, look at you. You're on the light-skinned train. I like it. Right. <laughs> Between my so skin, do, you, do you eat a do you eat a wet salsa or just dry? Oh, Smitty a savage. I know he used salsa. <laughs> no, I actually don't. Oh. Bro, some salsa right now. I used to be on this salsa with um avocado. Mm. I looked at the ingredients. Man, some of that stuff in there kill you, boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Malcolm. So, I, man, we just re- really appreciate you coming on. We want to talk about the person inside the jersey. Mm-hmm. We want to go through just chronologically of who Malcolm Jenkins is. And we did a little research on you. Mm-hmm. All right. I know the answer, but I, I have to ask as if I, I, I don't know the answer. Where did you grow up? So I was, I was born in uh, East Orange, New Jersey. It's right next to Newark. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, I lived there for till I was probably in the uh, – third grade and then I moved to uh Piscataway New Jersey which is actually where my dad's from uh, maybe like 45 minutes away but my whole family uh is, is still in Jersey the majority of them are in Newark and East Orange how would your mom or dad describe young Malcolm as a kid growing up in East Orange New Jersey uh, they say I was a good kid like they they laugh they you know I'm the oldest of three boys and so uh, and I got plenty of cousins, you know, we, we got a lot of us in my generation of the family. Mm. Uh, but I, I, I was a good kid, but you could, as, as you can imagine with all of these boys, you know, we get in trouble a lot, but they would say I was the smart one who knew how, how to not to get a whooping. So while everybody <laughs> else, you know, you kids, you don't know how to stop having fun. Like right before you get to that point where you, you about to get the, the attention of your parents, Mm-hmm. I'll be the one, I'll be right, right, in lockstep with everybody until I'm like, ah, y'all getting a little too loud, and I'll sit down. And by the time the adults come in the room, I'm the only one, you know, chilling. And everybody else is going crazy. They get a whooping, and I'll just be laughing. Uh, I was a smart one, for sure. You had three generations of, of Jenkins in the same household growing up. Wow. Yep. What was that you three get, generations? You don't see that many generations in one house at I one know. time. So that's pretty cool. Like, break that down for us. Yeah, so in uh, Piscataway, New Jersey, uh, you know, my grandmother owned uh, the house that my dad grew up in. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he went to North Carolina A&T uh, when he hey. got out. Him and my mom met there. Uh, we lived in, you know, up in North Jersey. So East Orange, Newark, Irvington, we bounced around a little bit. Uh, but once we got back to Piscataway, we moved back into that to that house. So my grandmother was still living there um, and, and my, my uncle. So they were downstairs, and then upstairs was me, my two brothers, and then my parents. So you really had, you know, three generations between my grandfather, my grandmother, uh, my father, and then, you know, his sons. Yeah, until till my grandmother retired, then she moved to Virginia, mm-hmm. sold the house to my to my dad because she ain't giving no discounts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, uh, and, you know, and they're still there. You went to a all black elementary school I believe from pre-k to about third grade I I didn't I really didn't realize how different my experience was until recently as an adult like as people have been kind of having these conversations about you know when did they kind of notice that they were black and for me 
when I started school, it was uh, called Chad School uh, in Norton, New Jersey. Uh, my aunt was actually one of the first, she was in the uh, inaugural kind of the first class uh, of that school. And all of the teachers, majority of students uh, were black and it's a private school. And so because it was private, they, you know, you get hit with a ruler, uh, you know, everybody, you, we had to address each other and our teachers as uh, sister and brother. We sung Lift Every Voice every single day. Uh, every Friday, was a br we had a uh, play. You know, one of the classes would do uh, a Black history kind of uh, play and tell different stories throughout history uh, every single Friday. And you had pre-K all the way to 12th grade. And so it really created a sense of community and pride in your Blackness, your heritage, your uh, history. And then once I got to the third grade, I moved to Piscataway, went to public school, and it wasn't until then that I realized, you know, how different, you know, though the the curriculum was, uh, the traditions, and and you know, really, kind of the blackness was nowhere to really to be found. Mm -hmm. What it did prepare me though was when I was in those environments, I was very very comfortable with who I was, my heritage, and my family, and all of those things. Where I think. It's been a when I talk to people, it's been like the opposite. You know, they didn't really uh, recognize. You know, they, they had to learn later in life like how to be proud about who they were because they saw immediately when they went to school that they were different. Um, and I've had a different experience, and so like it's one thing I, I've been talking about a lot recently uh, because we need more of those uh, types of spaces where you know, I'm, you know, not to jump off on a tangent, but I'm talking to a lot of black educators and. Less, I think it's like two percent of all educators are uh, black men, and so to go, you know, a lot of us will go through preschool all the way to high school and not have a black man at the front of the, uh, in your classroom. Yeah, and what that does is like you you never see yourself in that as a teacher. You never see yourself as a leader. You can you can go your whole you know time through school and never have a black principal. Um, and so you don't have these examples that are in front of you that tells you you can be a leader, that you're smart, that you can teach, that you can, you know, do all of these things. You see white people in those spots. And for white kids, they never see a black person in those spots either. And so without being, you know, overt or anything, these are kind of the messages that kids take in. And, you know, like I said, I didn't even really notice the difference until you know, much later as an adult when I'm talking to people with different backgrounds. But there's, it's no coincidence that I still have a lot of friends that went to Chad School with me. Uh, and we're all very like-minded when it comes to, you know, what we're what our business interests are, what, what we uh, are fighting for, how we raise our kids, our pride in kind of our heritage. And it's no surprise that it started, you know, at such a young age. I mean, I can, as you were talking, Malcolm, I'm I'm thinking back and I didn't have a black male teacher until I was in the eighth grade and he was our defensive backs coach. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was literally it. So it's, it's one thing to hear the statistic. It's another thing to see it in, in your life. And it, it, it's almost as if a lot of those things were planted in you as a child, whether it be from your family or being at that school, why do you think that was important to you? Why do you think it's played a part into who you are today? 
Well, I think my parents were very intentional, you know, about it. And they never really taught me, or at least I couldn't really remember any, you know, real specific lessons about being black, but they definitely created an environment in which I always like felt comfortable in it and always was around it and and learning things. Um, But also my dad did a a really good job of um, exposing me to other cultures as well. Um, you know, we, we go visit my grandmother in uh, Virginia and we stop at different places, historical markers, and you talk about the battle of Gettysburg and all of these different things. Um, you know, and as a kid, sometimes these lessons, you, you, they're boring and you don't think you understand them until you become an adult. And then all of these things, you know, are just ingrained in, in who you are. And so I think for me now, as a, as a parent, I'm trying to you know, replicate some of those same lessons that, that my parents, um, you know, taught me. And, and, and not just about, again, you know, your own blackness and their uh, heritage and history, but others as well. I also understand that those lessons were, I was never taught those lessons outside of Chad school in my home. Mm. And so <laughs> I don't want my kids, you know, to go through these school systems and never learn about their own history, never learn about, uh, you know, their their heritage, where they come from, what they've been through, who they are as a, you know, as people, and who they, who, what their what their lineage is, what they're cut from, um, because I know that the world's not going to tell them. And right. So I think it's uh, it's important, you know, for me. That's it, it becomes really important, and I also believe that it's important for all of us to understand it, because I know if I'm not getting it, then that means also my white counterpart, my teammates, whoever, they didn't get it either. And so it's no surprise where we are right now as a country where we're having to have these, you know, really basic conversations about American history and how we got to where we are, because we just haven't even learned half of, you know, uh, the, the history. Yeah, there's, there's such a gap in the, in, in the system. Huge gap. Yep. As you go through your experiences as, uh, at Chad School as a private black school i in the other hand grew up in los angeles mm-hmm. and i remember um, going to kindergarten in los angeles unified school district and walking to school and in the first grade they bust us out growing up in la and knowing and seeing the pictures of la you know traffic mm-hmm. is a yep. blank right it's, <laughs> it's a beast so they sent us out to the valley so at the time when they sent us out of the valley, I was living on 79th and Avalon, which is literally across the street from, like, uh, from Fremont High School. And how I got my passion for ball mm-hmm. was on Friday nights when we stayed in our apartments. That was like Fridays. I loved it because I got to watch football yeah. and I got to eat a TV dinner. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And being poor, TV dinner, you know, like that's a treat. That's a treat. Yeah. And you yeah. I need to eat everything. Mm-hmm. My mom put that TV dinner on a bucket. And on that bucket, I would watch them play ball. And I always dreamed about, about playing ball. Wow. But what was crazy is as you were talking, Malcolm, I remember us getting bust to I'm using air quotes because nobody could see me to the white school mm-hmm. and it was a and i hate to say it this way but it was a yellow bus full of people of color mm-hmm. and we go out to this school 
And I don't know why I remember this. It was this girl named Elizabeth that I thought was really cute, but she didn't want no parts of me. <laughs> right. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, I just remember in the first grade, as Michael was talking, we got bussed and we spent like an hour on the bus each way to go to school. And we did that for the school year. And the next year, my mom was like, nah, that ain't happening. Mm-hmm. You, you're going back to the school that you was going on. Because she had to literally, I would get out of school. You know, you got to school 2.15. Man, we weren't getting back home till like 4 or 5 o'clock. Oh, wow. And I just remember that, I hate to say it this way, but what, what, what were they doing? They were getting us out of the hood mm-hmm. to get a better education right. in the valley. Mm-hmm. Now as an adult, I look at it. You don't need to bus us to give us a better education. Just give us better education. Bring it to us. Bring it to right. not even bring it to us. Bring it to that area. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, bring you know? bring it to where the people are. Yes. Yeah. And and it's just interesting that you say that. And that's why I use the word disadvantage because mm-hmm. all the years that we played against each other, now doing this podcast, I get the I get the honest. I, honestly, I get to learn the individuals mm-hmm. and it's really cool to learn the individuals because you get to see the layers of them versus in football. You're just playing ball. You're going at each other. You, you, you're cursing. You're spitting. You're, you're, right. you're, you're in the heat of battle. You don't have time, one, to break bread and just to conversate, to dialogue. And so this is really giving me a great perspective of Malcolm Jenkins because I don't. I didn't really have this perspective when I'm running a whatever route I'm going against you and your coverage, and right. we're not discussing. Hey, man, you know I went to <laughs> I went to all black uh, private school. Bang bang. Let me. You know he ain't, <laughs> ain't, ain't exactly top of mind. Like, <laughs> right, right, right. right. It's not 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 quite the priority at that moment. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we have to take a break, and more than anything, we gotta pay some bills. Mm-hmm. Need that check. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. 
Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. You went to high school just to kind of move it along, but you went to high school. You played DB and wide receiver. How did you pick playing DB versus wide receiver? I think uh, it had to be my junior year. I had, uh, I think I had seven touchdowns on offense, but I had like five drops that could have been touchdowns, but I had eight picks. Mm -hmm. So for whatever reason, I could catch the ball on defense, but couldn't catch it on offense. So I figured real quick, I was a DB. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) the way I got my scholarship as well was after my – this had to be, yeah, after my junior season, we, my aunt moved to Westerville, Ohio, and uh, my mom wanted to go visit her sister. So uh, for two weeks, we, we went up there, and my parents paid to put me uh, and my brother uh, at Ohio State's football camp that they do every year. Mm-hmm. Now, at the time, I didn't realize that recruits don't pay to go to these camps. Uh, and obviously, I was not a recruit. So my parents paid the full $400 or whatever it was uh, for each of us to stay on campus for four days. And at that uh, camp, I registered to be, you know, a corner. And uh, one of the days they were doing one-on-ones and, uh, you know, I started in kind of the line. They had like four or five different lines. I started in one where the receivers were kind of scrubs and I locked everybody up in that line and I moved to the next one. Did the same thing, same thing. And I noticed that like, all the way to the end of the field, there was one particular line where all of the coaches were at. Jim Trussell was over there. Mel Tucker was the D coordinator at the time. He was there, uh, a couple other people. So eventually I made myself to that line and I realized like, okay, these receivers are different. You know, these, and I had, I didn't even know who they were. I didn't recognize them from the camp, but these were all of their recruits and guys that were actually coming in on scholarship oh. uh, from all over Ohio. And so I just, you know, I jump in line, I'm competing. You know, if a, if a DB is acting nervous to go against somebody else, I cut him in line. I go two, three times in a row. And eventually Mel Tucker just pulled me to the side. And he's like, you know, like, who are you? What's your name? You know, he's giving me little techniques and I'm, I'm applying them and I'm just competing, competing, competing. And he took me into the, the back room and he said, uh, we, he, he turns on some, he tries to find my, my tape and he's like, you might be the best corner in the, in, in the country. Hmm. And at that point I was a one-star, you know, recruit. My rival's profile was trash. And so he kind of caught me off guard when he said that. But, you know, we kept talking, watching some tape, and he gave me some, some tips. And uh, we left. I spent the rest of, you know, a couple weeks in Ohio. When I got back, I had a scholarship. And so for me, that was when I was like, okay, DB is, is, is clearly, you know, where my focus is going to be. You mentioned that you were lightly recruited and, you know, your, your rival's profile wasn't what you wanted it to be, but you end up finishing your career at Ohio State, three-time first team, all Big Ten. You won the Jim Thorpe Award for being the best DB. I want to ask you this question and make it a little bit more timely to write to right now. What do you think about the challenges that college students, student athletes are going to face today given COVID-19? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, everybody's trying to adjust. And I, I think, you know, for one, it's, it's just the safety of even dealing with the the, the virus, yeah, um, yeah, that's that is so many unknowns, especially at college athletes. You know, they're bringing they're bringing them back early, 
just to do workouts and you getting, you know, all of these co uh, college students and college athletes, you know, exposed to the virus. Uh, the NCAA didn't put in, you know, a standard protocol for everybody. So they're allowing the schools to kind of do their own thing. Um, and unfortunately, you saw a lot of student athletes get sick. Um, but then I think with just any college student put the sports down, I think everybody's trying to understand, you know, how do I continue to get my education, but also stay safe? You know, are they going to open schools? Is it going to be a virtual, you know, experience? I think everybody's trying to figure out um, how to adjust, but mainly how to stay engaged. You don't want to lose, you know, their attention, especially on the academics. Let's talk um, ball. Let's talk ball. And so mm -hmm. played against you a number of times. Yep. And I remember, I think an article came out um, that you had stated playing against me. One play was good. The next play was bad. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely schizophrenic, bro. <laughs> like, so, like, am Go I, ahead. You know, Let me I'm be a, quiet. Go ahead. Do talk. A, you tell me. Trash please talker, expound. Right? Yes, please expound on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm a, I'm a trash talker. Like, and I like to get in people's minds because I'm like, if I can get you mad at me and more worried about the little stuff I'm doing, I have you you're not worried about your route. You're not worried about nothing. I got you. But I learned real quick when it came to Steve, like, uh, for one, don't piss him off because he plays better when he gets mad. Two, don't believe him when he's being a nice guy. Because I've seen this <laughs> oh, guy. Oh, switch move. <laughs> I've seen this guy literally after one play, he's talking to you. Man, how you doing, man? It's crazy. You know, laughing, make a joke. Good job. You know, pat you on the back. And the very next play, wow. he's got his hands around your throat. <laughs> and no exaggeration, this is literal. And so I was like, you know, I, I tell young guys, we get ready to play the Panthers. I'm like, I'm like, look, if Steve out there talking to you nice, don't believe it. Like, you keep your guard up because he will choke you out. <laughs> That's a dirtbag, bro. Dirtbag. But the thing is, here's the thing. I don't even know what to say to, like, try to help my case right no, now. Yeah. Like, if right now, if, if my defense team put Malcolm Jenkins on the stand, uh -huh. my ass is going to jail. <laughs> oh, hey. Matter of fact, you remember all the uh, evidence when, is stacked against <laughs> your ass. Yeah. When we did a, uh, when you was uh, in Baltimore, we did that joint practice. I was at the Eagles. Oh yeah. And uh, I, I remember walking up. We were getting ready to do the oh, one on ones. I was hot. Okay. And, okay. and you was on a knee, and uh, I just, I already like, I'm like, we got joint practices. I already know what's, what this is about to be. And so I walk up. I don't, I don't say nothing. I just kind of walk past, and he's like, "Hey, Jake." I turn around. He's like, "We good?" I said, "We straight." So all right. You get your guys, and I got mine. I'm like, all right, like here we go. <laughs> then one of my one of them young boys, I ain't gonna repeat what you said to him, but he 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 didn't uh, get the memo about who Steve Smith was. He had to learn the hard way. But uh, yeah, man, it's it's always always a lot of respect, man. You know, because it's it's like that on the field. But yeah, you know, I think I think uh, that's what made you a great player, man. That's you know, I had a lot of. I used to enjoy those battles. I enjoyed those battles with you as well. Because you were one of those guys I always had to know where he was on the field. Mm. He was smart. He was intelligent. And, and Malcolm, help me out with this one, too, because we, we talk to a lot of different people. And I'm always intrigued with whatever that sport is, IQ. Mm -hmm. Rod, would you say with 80 guys, one, 
not all of them are the best of the best that everybody claims. Not at all. Okay. And football IQ, you can have some dudes that literally are extremely intelligent outside of football. I was going to say off the field. Off the field. Okay. And dumb as a box of rocks <laughs> to the X's and O's. Right. Yep. And it's like they have no either, or they're really smart on the football field, us high football IQ. And dude, some of the dumbest That's stuff dumb as a known <laughs> to mankind <laughs> on a off the, off the field. Yeah. Like what what would you say over the years that you've played that makes a, a DB really good? I think uh for me. You know, and, and I think what guys sometimes get confused is I've seen guys with phenomenal athletic ability, like could get in and out of breaks better than anybody I've seen, got ball skills, you know, instincts, whatever, but can't understand the simple concepts of defense. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I don't think I'm the fastest. I ain't the strongest. I ain't the, ain't the uh, you know, can't jump the highest, but I know leverage. You know, I know, okay, if I got this coverage, all of my help is inside, I'm going to stay outside. If you beat me, you know, if you're going to beat me anywhere, you're going to beat me away from my leverage, I tackle you and we'll play the next down. You know, just simple concepts like that on how to put yourself in the best position. And you've seen, you know, guys who aren't the fastest, you know, but can cover everything and, and end up being the top of the game. And so I think, you know, the ones who last and have really long careers learn to adjust their game. And most of it, it comes with, you know, what's between their ears. You went from corner to safety. So you've got to be able to play the game from a cerebral level almost as well. Yeah. And I, and man, that's why, and I enjoyed the, you know, the move. And I think that's what makes what really, I was able to build my career on that, right. Being able to have play corner, you know, on all levels and, and have that skill set to be able to just line up and play man to man, but have enough, you know, IQ to, to be able to transition to the safety position you know, and control, you know, be air traffic control, get guys lined up, yeah. understand what's coming and, and be able to put myself really on any spot on the defense and actually be able to ha- do it well. Um, you know, so that versatility, I think, is what is the unique part about my game. It's not, you know, my physical attributes or anything like that. It's my ability to understand the game um, and constantly kind of build on what I know. But uh, the, the ability to also be versatile you know, and, and be able to play all of these different spots because I don't look at defenses by position. So I don't want to just know what the corners are doing. I don't want to just know what the nickel or the safety's doing. I just, like, put everybody's an X. And what is this concept of the defense? How does this work? So if at any point in time, I can switch my position and know what to do. If you are playing a guy like Malcolm and you understand what he's doing and how he looks at your concepts and looks at the route – and look at splits and formations and motions and cadence, I would come in and if I saw Malcolm seeing something that he knew was a tendency, I would line up, watch him. Then I would tendency break by widening or cutting my split down. And it would screw the whole defense up because that's not what you're supposed to do. And that's the thing I love about defensive players. You're not supposed to do that. <laughs> like, they'll be like, you ain't supposed to run that. I'm like, bro, how you going to tell me I can't run that? That's not what we've seen on film. 
that the game is not always about what you see on film. Sometimes read, you got to read and react. Yes, but defensive players, I, I hate to say it this way, defensive players are cheaters. They got to be. Y'all know where y'all running. We you don't. know, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> you have a competitive advantage because you have you know the play. You got a defensive player has to read and react, right? Shut up, Jerome. Okay, my bad. All right. my, my We're moving on. We mo- <laughs> <laughs> the last football question, and we're going to really get into all the things that you're doing. When you were drafted in 2009, what did Malcolm Jenkins want to do in the league? You know, you know I think – Honestly, I, I think I put too much pressure on myself uh, as a first-round draft pick. You know, uh, I want to – you know, everybody has these goals. I want to be a Hall of Fame player. I want to make Pro Bowls and all these different things. Um, and I remember looking around at uh, other guys. I think it was uh, Vontae Davis who was the next corner who got drafted after me. He was starting in Miami. Uh, a couple other DBs, you know, that were rookies were – we're playing. I'm looking at, you know, who the tops in the game were, you know, the Darrell Reeveses and, and those guys. And I'm like, man, you know, I'm, I think my first six games, I was playing special teams. And so I remember getting, you know, kind of, you know, sidetracked by looking at everybody else, comparing myself that I was like, man, I'm falling short. You know, I'm feeling like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bust. And it wasn't until I started to really focus on maybe like my second, third year in the league, when I started to focus on what made me the player I am, did I actually begin to even, you know, be able to visualize kind of who I wanted to be as a player? Like, what what do I want my career to look like? But I think I started out with the generic, yeah, I want to be a, a Hall of Famer. I want to be, you know, I want to make a Pro Bowl every year and X, Y, and Z. Um, but I think those started to change as as I got better. And so for me, I'm like, I want to – obviously want to be recognized as one of the best to play the game. Everybody who lines up and puts on some cleats should have that idea. But I want it to be more about the way I played the game than just, you know, making just, just being a name that, you know, is constantly in the Pro Bowls. Once you start really recognizing too, a lot of the stuff is a popularity contest. It's like, but, but what are people saying to you after the game? Do you have the respect of your opponents? Do you have to respect to your teammates? Uh, are coaches noticing, you know, the value you bring to the game? Are you changing the game in any way? Are you making it better? Changing how the position is played? Those are the things that the types of impacts that, you know, I started to focus on and, and really just honing in on what I do best. I think it's about that time. Just uh, take a little breather. Good do it. Good do it. Let's get down to it. Good do it. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, Let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. You focused on changing the game on the field. But you're also doing a lot of great things Man. off the field. So much impact. Yeah. It's actually our 10-year anniversary. We started in 2010. We started the Malcolm Jenkins Foundation in New Orleans uh, with a program uh, called the Project Rewards. And what we did was we paired it with an organization that was already doing uh, academic supports. It's called College Track. And so they was giving kids, it's an after-school program. They got tutoring, ACT and SAT prep, um, you know, all of the academic supports that they need. But I realized that what made me who I am uh, was experiences and it was the ability to get out of New Jersey and go to Ohio and, and be under somebody like a Jim Trestle who taught me what integrity was, who taught me what it meant to be, you know, a, a responsible citizen, which taught me about leadership. Um, to be able to get into, you know, a place like New Orleans, uh, which is night and day from New Jersey. Um, is, is these experiences that really made me who I am. And so what I wanted to do was add on top of the academics, those life skills. So how do we teach kids about health and wellness? How do we teach them how to build their communication skills, their leadership skills? Uh, and that's, and that's kind of how it started. And we've since uh, expanded over four states, all of the states that I called home at some point. Wow. So we operate in New Jersey, Ohio, Louisiana, and uh, Pennsylvania. So we've been doing it for 10 years and, uh, you know, the impact has been wild, way, way more than I've ever, you know, thought. And a lot of it is, is because of my mother, but we've done, you know, over a hundred thousand dollars in scholarships. We've given away, you know, food, clothes, uh, STEM programs, uh, you name it, we're doing it. And, um, you know, a lot of it, like I said, is, is some of it's my ideas, but the feet on the ground uh, is my mom, first and foremost, she's the president and then our, our board. Uh, that is still down in New Orleans, still the original board that we started with has been doing a ton wow. of work. So, you know, I, I just, I'm, I'm, when I sit back and think of kind of what we've done over the last 10 years, I'm really, really humbled by it. Business-wise, how are you using business mm -hmm. also to help and also 
profit. I, I'd say to some degree make a profit, but the way you're not making a profit money-wise, you're making a profit by investing in people. I've got a few business ventures. You know, I'm, I'm a franchisee. I own franchises. I, um, franchises of what? Uh, so I own 10 Papa John's. 10? 10. Where are they located? Uh, all of them are in uh, North Jersey and then up in like the Boston area. Okay. Massachusetts, Maine. Um, and so that, that's a funny story too. We got into Papa John's right before the CEO decided to uh, go off the hinges, the former CEO. Yeah. And so we kind of had to weather that storm, but it's been, it's been one of those things where, you know, e even in those, you see an opportunity where most of these, most of these franchises are the, the people who work in them are people of color yeah. and the, all of the ones that we own are in black communities. And so we got an opportunity to really, you know, kind of infiltrate from within where we, you know, like 99% of our employees are black. We serve those communities. So we serve the school systems that are there um, and, and are able to employ people, especially in a time where, you know, job security is, is tough. Um, so that's been something that's, that's been, you know, awesome. And my, uh, I started a production company last year called Listen Up Media. So we're into the film industry and, and uh, just fin putting the finishing touches on a documentary uh, that I'm an executive producer on called Black Boys mm. um, and working on a few other projects. So that's been, you know, something for me that has been, you know, great. Something that is my passion to be able to storytell outside of kind of these sports platforms uh, and be able to take narrative, take my own narrative, my own voice and, and own it. And that's, I think that's very important, especially um, right now. And then, you know, I'm, I'm passionate about fashion as well. So I have my own uh, men's suit and company um, with a brick and mortar here in Philly called Demar Seville. We've had that for uh, three years now. That's been, that's been, you know, cool, not only to be able to design uh, my own clothing, but really to see it on, you know, other athletes and entertainers, see it on the red carpets. Um, that, that's been a fun passion project for me. But, you know, it's a, there's a lot of, uh, there's different kind of buckets of, of different business ventures that I'm into. And what was important to me was to surround myself with, uh, you know, a team that I can trust. And so when I talked about Chad School, um, one of my uh, partners who's kind of, she helps me run all of these different things. Um, her name is Rolanda Johnson. Her and her husband are on my team. I've known Rolanda since uh, preschool, since Chad School. Both of us yeah. uh, went to Chad, ended up both in Piscataway, went through high school together. And she's, you know, full time on my, uh, you know, on my staff and is helping uh, with that. And so to be able to kind of build these things with people you know, to be, be able to empower, you know, th those who are around you, put them in positions where, you know, they become the CEO, the CFOs and of, of your own stuff. Man, to me, that is like, that's what I call success. Like that is, those are the goals. I'm like, I don't really care about making the most money in the world for myself because as we know, you know, especially in football or sports, oftentimes we're the only ones in our family that has that kind of success. And then we're ended up, you know, trying to funnel our money and our hard on, you know, kind of dollars that are already dwindling to try to support everybody else. And so for me, I changed, you know, a while ago, I told myself, I want to invest in the people around me and put them in a position, you know, where they, you teach them how to fish, right? You teach them how to, 
you know, become a CEO, how to be a CFO. And, and fortunately for me, I've been around talented people with those same, that same mentality, that same principle. Um, and we just been building, man, and, and been really excited uh, about some of the opportunities that have been coming, some of the platforms that have been coming. Uh, so we just going to keep riding the wave. You're going to add another feather in your cap as you are now the first professional football player to join CNN while still playing in the NFL. Why is that important to you? And then what can we expect seeing you on CNN? Yeah, man, it's, it's important because anytime you're the first, right, it's, it's always important. But um, athletes oftentimes, and it's been the most frustrating thing for me in this this, you know, the last few years of this social awareness around, you know, social justice and things like that is athletes are only given platforms that are, you know, around sports and sports center. So when I want to talk about systemic racism and our criminal justice system and all of these things, I'm, I'm at the mercy of sports writers who, you know, are tasked by whoever is employing them to write about the national anthem and the flag and Trump and who's doing what. Um, and it's just so hard to, to maintain the integrity of your voice and maintain your message. And so to have access to a platform like CNN, that's a whole new, you know, audience. It's, it's another opportunity to showcase that voice and own your own narrative. And so myself, I always want to challenge people to think. I don't want people to, just listen to me and do what I say. I want people to think about the information and come up with their own conclusions mm -hmm. uh, and think for themselves. And so, you know, that's what I you know, hope to do is one, be very, very authentic with my voice and always speak my truth, but to always be a thought leader and somebody who challenges others to think critically um, and to analyze, you know, the context of where we are right now uh, as a society. Is it fair to say, because you're a football player or you play sports, that the sports writers are only interested in you discussing the things that that are around ball? Like they, it, it almost seems like people don't want. Like you, you kind of hear everybody just catch the ball or dribble the ball, shut shoot up and the dribble. ball, shut up and dribble. How do we get out of that to say that? We're not just dumb jocks, mm -hmm. right? Because you go back and think about when we look at old movies, old sitcoms, when they, talk about, when they talk about athletes, they always are highlighting, well, he can't do this or he can't mm -hmm. do that. He's just a dumb jock. Or he's only at that school because he plays ball. He plays ball and, and brings nothing else to the table. Yep. I think the I think the the bad part about all of that is that we believe that sometimes, mm -hmm. yeah. you know. And so I think the first part is, and that's why you know I'm I'm really excited about you know being kind of the first is just to be able to see it right. Like oh, if it, this is a football player, active player who has another job, just even that in and of itself is something that's you know I've never seen <laughs> like somebody who has an active job outside of sports. And so, and to be able to be on those platforms and speaking is, you know, important for us to at least see it first. But I think a large portion, portion of like, how do we continue it is guys have to, you can't believe the things that society tell you, right? They, they want to tell you or belittle your voice or make you think that this is all you're good at. 
when I'm like, the, a lot of us, majority of us are college graduates, like who have found a way to navigate uh, in a locker room with people from different backgrounds, from all over, all kind of races, religions, economic, you know, uh, uh, makeups and, and somehow, you know, run a business, you, you manage your own money. We have a union that manages that, that negotiates on behalf of its players. Like we are equipped for this. <laughs> and most of us, you know, are, have, are better leaders and have been doing these things since we were in the third, fourth grade. And so when you talk about the intangible skills that we have uniquely, you know, as athletes, we're better equipped to do a lot of this work than, than people who have these jobs. But it's until we change that narrative in our, you know, amongst ourselves and in our own minds that, that we can actually operate in it. You started the Players Coalition back in 2017, you and Anquan Bolden. What was the moment in which you decided you needed to start that? Like, what was that aha moment? Right after Kaepernick in 2016, right after Kaepernick took a knee, you recognize that, like, you know, I'm, I'm somebody who's, doing work kind of in my own silo right and, and, yep. and been on kind of doing social justice stuff on my own uh but that that gesture really sparked you know this uh movement and what we realized was there's a lot of us in the league that have these same passions and so anquan later that that fall he had been to capitol hill to lobby for some other you know uh things that, that had nothing to do with social justice but he had the experience of actually going and speaking two legislators. So he organized the trip, invited some guys to go. Um, and I was one of them. And when I realized that these politicians and, and mm. all these people, they're sports fans too. Right. And they, they want to, they want to meet us just as much as any other fan. And so I'm like, we got a unique, you know, ability to convene or get the ear of these politicians. Well, let's bring this message, you know, and, and, and we can do it even louder when we do it collectively, as opposed to each guy who has their own foundation is doing it kind of in a silo. So how do we how do we pull our funds together? How do we pull our voices together and collectively, you know, push for these things? And honestly, like I knew what we were what we were doing was unique and going to be big. But where we are today and how much we've done as a as a group has been <laughs> It's been, it's I'm, been I'm proud of it. I'm proud of it because yeah. guys have been taking, you know, taking it amongst themselves to really like dive into their communities, their cities, pushing for not only just awareness, but literally getting laws changed, helping to push yes. um, the work that these grassroots organizations are doing. They dedicate their lives to it, but can't get the same meetings or the same, you know, uh, attention that we can draw to it. So be able to, to be able to assist that and be a part of kind of this active movement has been, you know, something that I'm, I'm super proud of. We just, um, and, and more and more guys are coming in, whether it's current players, former players, um, and, and, and really making it their own. And so, you know, hopefully this is something that we can continue, you know, for the next generations of, of, of athletes. How do you remember who you are and stay centered mm. in, in, in yourself? It's it's tough. I'm I'm you know I I'd be doing everybody a disservice if I, you know, put all of the good stuff out and didn't you know talk about what what it actually feels like to carry kind of all of those things. It's definitely something you know for me for the last like three years I've had to learn how to, like you said, center yourself and make sure that even though I'm doing all of these things and 
I'm in a leadership role in all of those things, right? It's people depending on your voice, people depending on you to provide your family, you know, and all of these priorities. So you have to also be able to prioritize yourself. And it was about three years ago, probably two, 2017, we're getting the coalition started. And, and you know, that was also the Super Bowl year. So I'm balancing being a captain and all these things. You know, I almost had a, like a meltdown. And, and I'm like, really? I could physically feel like the stress and the tension that I was carrying. And I'm just like, you know, I got to talk to somebody. And so um, since then, I've been talking every week to, you know, a therapist and, and been able to uh, really balance or at least find the tools to balance all of these things. So, you know, every now and then I'm like, stuff gets too crazy. Taking a break is, is okay. Right. I don't have to fight this thing every single day, taking a break, you know, delegating, um, spending time with my family, you know, setting a calendar, um, but also putting people in place to hold me accountable too. you know, people I can talk to people that's going to check up on me and make sure my mental, you know, is good because that's the part that, that we, we forget about. And so, you know, that's really been my uh, safe place is, you know, therapy. And then my friends and family who, who are there to really check on me. And, and, and that's really what allows me to kind of juggle all of these different, um, you know, entities and, and, and interests. How long did it take for you to, settle in or even just take that first step of reaching out knowing that you needed to talk to a therapist um it was to the point where i was like i'm <laughs> i'm gonna break like I, I couldn't do it no more i remember we were uh getting ready to play the seattle seahawks on this like the night before the game and like i i was in my body felt like it was in fight or flight for a week straight like that, that feeling you get right before you about to hit a roller coaster or something or hit that drop, my body felt like that for a week straight. Wow. And I'm like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And it was like, you know, and I remember uh, Chip Kelly, when he was the head coach, he had a sports psychologist uh, that used to come, you know, talk to uh, the guys uh, every now and then she was around. So I just reached out to her and, like and I think now she's at Temple University, so she wasn't with the team anymore. But I reached out, and luckily she was still in the city. Um, and so I've been meeting with her for three years, and you know every week we we on there, and it's something that I prioritize because I know if I don't take care of myself, I'm not going to be worth anything to anybody else. You you built to carry a lot, but you ain't built to carry everything. All right, Malcolm, we're about to go into a segment of our podcast we like to call the deep three. So we know this isn't a three route. It's, it's, it's not a deep route, but let us be great. Uh, right. These next three questions just allow us to take a deeper yeah, See, route. I thought you were talking about like cover three. You know what I'm saying? No, 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 just a deep three. So this is going <laughs> to – these are, these are just three questions that are coming up. It's going to allow us to take a deeper dive into you as a person beyond your jersey, man. So Smitty's right. going to have – and myself, we're going to have three questions. So, Smitty, I'll let you ask the first one. Do you fear retirement? No, this is this will be year twelve for me, and uh, I don't fear I don't fear retirement, you know, at all. Uh, because I'm I have so many other interests now that I know about myself that I'm like I'm I know I'm going to be passionate about some other things outside of this game, 
The thing I am worried about, though, is the one thing that football provides for me, and I know a lot of athletes like this, is structure, right? You know when to wake up. You know where you got to be, meeting times, people holding you accountable. Like, that structure is something that is hard to adjust to. And I know it just even in the off seasons, right? To be able to make yourself get up when nobody's telling you to work out or get up and, you know, uh, meet deadlines and to go through your weekly routine and start it all over again and just stay regimented. That's the part that I'm a little bit nervous about losing, you know, when that time comes because I've had that structure literally since the third grade. What does Malcolm get out of giving back? Man, I see the impact. And so, you know, for, for me, that is all that it matters. Like, I feel responsible for it. And, and because I've seen my dad um, right there on Third Street where he grew up, he influenced just the, the people in his sphere, right? So all of the kids who were around there, the boys, he, he'd be the steady quarterback. He showed us all how to play football, how to run routes, signed us up for Pop Warner, took us to and from practice. And we're just talking about literally the kids within two square blocks and three of us made it to the NFL. Mm. And I'm like, if he can have that impact, you know, no accolades, not going to get any awards for it, just doing, just affecting the people around him. I'm like, what responsibility do I have with all of the resources and platform that I have? So for me, it's part of, to me, it feels more so part of, uh, fulfilling my purpose than it does, you know, kind of feeling good because I, I did something nice for somebody. I'm like, this is who I am. I've yeah. seen this, you know, since I was little. And I'm like, this is what I'm responsible to doing. And so for me, this is part of my purpose uh, to walk this earth. When it's all said and done, what does Malcolm Jenkins want to be remembered or known for? Uh, I want to be remembered for having a true impact on whatever it is I touch. So whether it's the game of football, I want my the impact that I had on the game to be remembered, whatever that looks like. If it's in business, if it's in my community, when I'm when it's all said and done, I want people to be able to to look back and be able to measure the impact you know that I've had in. And, uh, you know, I'm going to take it as deep as I can get it. And so for me, you know, I, I could care less about the awards and and all of the things that come and go that, that the next generation is probably going to outshine anyway because mm. we forget all those records. They get broken. But it's like who changed the game? Who changed the world? Who, you know, was bold enough to um, be different and maximize their ability to Im Im impact the environments around them? That's that's really where I hold the most value. We appreciate you coming on our podcast. No doubt. I appreciate you having me. I love to tell you this. It's been a long time coming. But obviously, when you were at the New Orleans Saints, I had a professional dislike for you because mm -hmm. of playing in the NFC South. Yep. But my dislike and my hatred for you was not because you weren't a good player. It was because you always made me think. When I played against you, I had to watch extra film. I had to pay attention a lot more because I knew, obviously, the gentleman, the man, the philanthropist, you would knock me in the dirt, but you did it strategically. You did it with your brain, not just with your body. 
And man, one of the things playing against you that um, now that I retired that I'm that I'm glad I don't have to deal with is man playing against guys like you. You always kept me on my toes, man, and and I expect the same thing coming out of you as a CNN contributor, man. I can't, I I couldn't be more excited to see you bring to the table what you bring, just like what you bring to the football field. So I appreciate it, man. Yeah, brother to brother, man. I, I appreciate that, bro. That's that's about the highest, uh, you know, award or, or acknowledgement I could get in this game. Is that kind of respect? So I, I appreciate that. Well, you you earned it, and and unfortunately, I got some scars to prove it. <laughs> <laughs>
try to put yourself in other areas that it doesn't always equal up to success, but he's, he's very successful. Cut to it with Steve Smith Sr. That is me is a production of Cut To It LLC, Balto Creative Media, The Black Effect, and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From Cut To It, executive producers Steve Smith Sr. and Gerard Littlejohn, talent and booking manager Joe Fushi, social media manager Peyton Smith, from Balto Creative Media, Cut to it is produced by Brian Baltashevich and Meredith Carter with production assistance by Alex Lebrecht. Production manager Sarah Pollock. Theme music by Alex Johnson. Lyrics and vocals by Anthony Hamilton. You ain't heard about it, then we're about to let you know. It's on. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainer, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.